Let's just say that out loud. He is a good God. You know, it needs to be said. It needs to be said, doesn't it? He is a good God. He's so good to us, isn't he? It's amazing. It's amazing, amazing, amazing. You know, we go through, we all go through tough times. We do. But it is amazing uh, when we look back at how God was actually good to us, even in our worst times. Who can recognize? Who can testify to those things, right? You don't recognize him in the moment, but you really see what he did afterward. Amen? You know, I just felt that in my spirit during prayer. And it was not, this is not a part of my sermon, but I feel like the Holy Spirit wants me to expound just for a moment on this. That he uses everything. The Lord uses everything. Every situation, even hurts, even accusations, good things, bad things, that your childhood, even molestations, and I mean, stuff that we cannot understand. I'm not saying God did those things, right? He allows the... Though you, you to go through things in the earth, he uses every single one of those things to build a testimony in you. It, it ultimately points to his goodness, doesn't it? The Holy Spirit, when he comes and begins to do a work in us, things that were done in your life, things that you've gone through, things up to date, and all of it, all of it is for God's glory. Look at the testimonies of uh, gangsters turned righteous. You know, God did not inspire them to live the evil lives they did. But God used it, didn't he? And there is a testimony inside of them that God then makes into this amazing person. God loves us so much. He is so, so kind and merciful to us. And the Holy Spirit... I really believe we need to let him, we need to just let him be God and work in us. We need to, sometimes we're trying to get out of whatever the thing is that we're in right now. So desperately, we just want to get out. And I'm not saying you don't, that you can't pray and shouldn't pray for the Lord's deliverance and whatever you might be going through, but the Holy Spirit just might be using this thing in your life to create in you something you, first of all, you can't even understand it right now, but ultimately it's a character trait inside you that he needs for the person that he's crafting you to be. Who can testify that some of the worst things, hard times, good times, all of it can testify that you went through things, but then the Lord crafted character traits inside you that, that weren't in you before. And I'm always amazed when I look back a year, five years, 10 years, 15 years, 25 years, and so on, right? We have these increments, these like mile markers in your life, and you can see how God loved you, gave you grace, gave you mercy, but you aren't the person, if you are a believer who is following the Word of God and following what the Word says— and I just said it during prayer, glory to glory, revelation to revelation, from maturity to maturity, just like a child goes from grade, you know, it goes from kindergarten to first grade and so on, all the way through school, and each year is another level, right? The Lord really has done the same thing with us, and we can see as we look back, we can say, wow, Lord, I can't believe that you loved me there, you gave me grace there in my immaturity, and yet... Maybe we thought we were immature, right? You get to seventh grade, man, 
you know, elementary school's done. I'm a junior high kid, you know. Then you get to high school. I'm a high schooler, and then you think you know everything. Get to college, then you really know everything, right? Get to 65, and you're like, wow, I'm just learning now that I really don't know much, and there's still so much more to learn, right? And that's, that's true maturity, and that's really what we allow, need to allow the Holy Spirit to do in us. But we don't understand it all along the way. So that's, this was just something I feel like the Holy Spirit wanted me to say, that he's with you right now, and he is creating character inside of us. Amen. Well, we've been preaching, uh, and I've been excited about this series. There's actually so much to it. I'm only in part four today. It's the inside, outside, upside-down kingdom. As I really began to think about this concept, I thought, man, there are so many sermons that I could begin to unwind this, this concept for like the next weeks. Maybe that's what the Lord will do, or I might have something totally different next week. Uh, don't hold your breath today. We'll see what that, what that becomes. But there's so much to this. As I really began to just think about God's kingdom and this earthly kingdom, it is so opposite. This is what I've been preaching on. I really want us to see, don't try to fit into this world. Don't try to make sense. The more we try to make sense of this world, the more confused you're going to be. We need to just come to the revelation that Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. And I want us to see today, there are, and I want you to say it out loud, there are two worlds. Do you know that you're living in two worlds simultaneously? Who, who knows? That's what the Bible says. I know that, that actually um, science, come on, you know that I'm, I, you know, that was only two classes I didn't finish in college. Two classes left to graduate college. You know what they were? Science classes. I love science. I just love it because it all points to God. I hate when people say, I don't believe in God, I believe in science. That makes me so angry because science is the proof of God, isn't it? Everything about it just proves God. Well, anyway, quantum physics and quantum mechanics, I mean, it's beyond my understanding. It has to do with time and, you know, and space and things being in multiple places at once. And, and sci the point is, I'm not going to give you a science class because I am not qualified to do that, but the point is that science is actually beginning or has begun in this century to break down this concept that you could, in fact, scientifically, mathematically, be in two places at once. Isn't it amazing when science catches up with what the Word said 2,000 years ago? And so the Bible says, and I'm going to reference this today, it's one of my favorite uh, chunks of Scripture, the whole Bible, you know it, it's Colossians 3, right? If you've ever heard me preach before, you've definitely heard me quote Colossians 3, right? But basically, it says, we died. Everybody say, I died. Died is the word die in a past tense state, correct? Right? Not, I will die, I died. And so... And it says we are present tense, right? Because past tense, you died, which leads you into a present tense place of what? I'm seated right now, each and every one of you as believers, with Christ in heaven. And simultaneously, this is amazing, while I'm seated in him, he is simultaneously seated on his throne within his temple, which is where? Inside of you and I. 
simultaneously, I am in heaven and he is in me. Wow. Isn't that amazing? And I want us to see today there are two worlds. And there's the old scripture. It's a great sermon, right? How long are you going to hobble between two opinions, right, Jeannie? How long are you going to hobble between two opinions, right? Something that the Lord said in the Old Testament. And it's, there's, because, there, are you going to worship Baal? This is, you know, that was the reference with Elijah, right? You're going to worship Baal. You're going to worship God. Your flesh is very, very good. It's very easy to just go with the flow, I was saying last week. It is so easy to just get into the motions and go through the motions of life. And yet God, Jesus came and he shook some things within the religious world, not even in the corrupt, what we would call evil, dark world, right? He didn't even deal with that. He dealt with the religious world. He doesn't even go outside of his people. He says, it's not my call. That's not why I'm here. The disciples, they went. We, there are a couple of, uh, there's a couple encounters, right, of Gentiles and Jesus having some encounters. That's it. Jesus dealt with his people. And so when Jesus is dealing with evil, we should, sometimes we need to realize the context of the word is sometimes we need to just step back and see, wow, uh, you came and you have this incredible fight spiritually in the earth between worldliness and godliness, between Satan and the kingdom of God. And yet, if you want to be very, I mean, we should just be brutally honest, it was within his people and not really within the outside unbelieving world. Or at least, let's say this way, it was within those that should have been his people. Amen. It is an upside-down kingdom because your flesh and your desires, and that's what Jesus dealt with in the earth, have inclinations to want to do things a certain way. It's just very easy, and then society begins to shape that in a new way, and that's what's happening today, right? Your society is beginning to shape our, ide our ideas and, uh, and our, our culture. Things are shifting again, right? In my time, I'm wa we're watching it present tense. Ideas so drastic and so upside down to me beginning to be shaped as normal, right, in our time. And that's why I feel like I was compelled. I needed to really to begin to show us this is a 2,000-year-old sermon, that this is not a new concept, but an old concept just, it's just reignited into, the, into our time. You know, each culture has to make the decision that am I going to follow the culture or am I going to follow God? I remember hearing a preacher uh, who was, it was pre-television, uh, it was uh, pre-technology, and um, I'm, I'm drawing a blank on who it was, but it was one of these old greats. And he said, I don't recommend you go to too many plays. Plays. And I don't recommend that you read too many books because these things will draw you away from the Lord. Wow. Isn't that amazing? Plays and books. Imagine he were to see the time we live in today. 
He would be, I bet you he would have a heart attack. And after, someone would have to pray and bring him back. Because he'd be so shocked by the world today. I'm going to say this list again, and if I preach this next week, I'm going to do it again. I think it's important. The way up is down. The way out is in. The way to be filled is to be emptied. The way to receive is to give. The way to be strong is to be weak. The way to live is to die. The way to be great is to be least. The way to be first is to be last. The way to be honored is to serve. The way to be forgiven is to forgive. The way to share Christ's glory is to suffer. The way to have faith is to let go. The way to be wise is to become a fool, and the way to know God is to become a child. There are two worlds, and we must come to terms that they, the world we live in, will, it has been. Listen, this is not just that it's becoming. This is really what I want to get to us today. We're seeing such a shift that it's more shocking and more obvious, but it has always been. Everybody say it out loud. This world has always been, just in more disguise, right? You know, the thing is, darkness is taking off. It's like I don't, darkness says, I don't care anymore. I don't need to hide within plays and books anymore because now the, the world, they want me. They want darkness, and that's what the Bible says. They'll end up asking, you know, in different words, multiple scriptures point to this concept, we want darkness we want Satan, we want his kingdom, we don't want God. They begin to reject God, that's what the Bible says, and that's, we end up in Revelation. But we are in, we are hobbling, like, in this place where we're living in the shell of a fake world and the real world. Heaven is eternal, so heaven is real. This world is temporary, so... This world is, now, again, I am not an expert, but mathematically and scientifically, if, if this place has, has a time frame, has a clock, and you were to look, step back and to, and to look at it from a, a, a position of science and math, and you were to see something that is untouched, it's undecayed, it says, it says, moth and rust do not destroy, it's eternal, if you were to compare the two, I would scientifically say, well, that's not real, and that's real. I wouldn't even say, well, that's temporary and that's eternal, because your mind really can't even get that concept, can it? You try to think about eternity. I've said this before. What does your mind do? Your mind thinks of about a billion years. Like, no, 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 a billion, billion, billions, a trillion, trillions. It's, you're still, your mind is still operating within a time frame because you cannot possibly understand eternity. Your mind just thinks of lots of time. You need to actually think of eternity as this, real versus not real. That's a totally different reality, isn't it? That this isn't real, that God's kingdom is real. Now, you are real. Say, I'm real. I'm just living in a place, right? That's not real. And the Bible is fully aware of this. So is Jesus. And that's why we're called ambassadors. That's why we're called aliens, right? Because... God is not surprised. He is fully aware that this place is, is fake. He's not tricking us. It's not just, not just the matrix where it's all trick and it's all a game. You are in a place that is not real, but God is using you, and he's using your life 
for a purpose, for a time, ultimately, though, then to do what? To step into real forever. Amen. When your mind begins to just meditate, and this is what I began to allude to last year on these things, we need to change our state of mind. Jesus had a different state of mind, I pointed out in Philippians. If you can change your state of mind, if, if, why would you possibly waste time and effort, blood, sweat, and tears on something that isn't real? But if we begin to see that, okay, we're in this world, God is fully aware that I need to eat, otherwise the body that I live in will die, right? And within that eating requires me to have a job, put a house over my head and take care of loved ones and so on. And God is aware of those things, not telling us to deprive uh, ourselves or those that are dependent on us of those things. But that that is not my focus. That's just a means to an end. And this world has this concept of, well, I need to do this. I need to do that. I need to do this so that one day I can retire. Come on, isn't that the truth? I need to go through all of these things. Right now, my grandfather was, it's very sad, but now it's ancient history, right? He, he worked till 62. His quote was, you live your life, you pay your taxes, you retire and you die. And that's what he did. Six, six or eight months, how long, how long was it? Like six or eight months later? About six or eight months. And the thing is, living our lives for the Lord, that doesn't, that's irrelevant. doesn't mean anything because it's just stepping from what's not real into what's real. But if that's all you've got, if you're living so that you can get to this place, right? People, some people live for the weekend. I'm just going to put my time in all week so I can get to the weekend. But then something happens. Who wakes up on Monday morning again? And that's an awful feeling. Now i got to do it all again just so I can just have off. And, and we're almost bred, being a teacher here, we're almost bred to think of summer vacation. Right? I just need to get this done. I need, and, and, you know, and I'm guilty even at work. It's like I need to get this job done so I can get back you know, home. But the same thing happens tomorrow. And you could get into a grind of just trying to like get done and get through. And we're always just like getting through, getting done. And, and then sometimes you just need to stop and say, but what, what is my goal? Where am I trying to get to? What is all of this? And if I do, and I, and I remember preaching this sometime within this year, saying, you know, you have to go through these motions, go do these jobs, do what, what you need to do. There's a natural part of being on this earth that God actually, not only is he aware of, but even honors. I mentioned it recently about the ant. He does honor the hard work of the ant. So we need to be diligent. We need to work hard. But it's a, it's a state of mind. It is a state of being that we must change. It's not our actions necessarily. It is the, it's the, the, what is going on in here? What is going on in our heart? What is our purpose? And if I do the same job and say, well, I need to do these things because I need to eat. I need to take care of my family. But ultimately, I know that all of these things, if I'm not raising these children to know the Lord, then I'm just wasting my time. All I'm doing is giving them more time to die. 
but I need to give them the sustenance of this earth that their bodies need, but I need to give them the spiritual sustenance that their spirit needs, that that's ultimately what's real. Amen. Who's getting something out of this already? I'm preaching to myself over here. Lord's encouraging me. Things are not what they seem. Say that out loud. Things are not what they seem. I want you to turn with me and look at the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18. 2 Corinthians 4, 18 says, So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. How do you fix your gaze on things that cannot be seen? Anybody want to get up here and tell me how to do that? For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. And the Bible tells me to fix my gaze on this eternal life. You know, following in, in this theme of oppos it's an opposite kingdom, Jesus points us in, in he, all these opposites in the, in the Gospels, in Matthew 5 and 6, you see them, and then, then you see them throughout the Word, all of these like polar opposites that everything I see, that's all that this world has is what it can see. Whether it's a thing they've done or an achievement they've done, an award that they have, a building that they've built or whatever, but Jesus says, you know, the words Paul's saying here in Corinthians, close your eyes, don't look at any of those things, just close your eyes to those things, and I want you to close your eyes, and that's what I want you to focus on. To fix my gaze on what is unseen. Well, what is the unseen? Is he talking about just trying to, like, see into heaven? I believe that he's given us the unseen clearly. Jesus is the Word made flesh, and the Word is Christ. They are synonymous, correct? That means that I can read his Word, I can meditate on his Word, and I could really get into this. Maybe I will. I don't know that I will, and I'm just seeing that clock, so I'm just going to pull some things from later on in my sermon and put it here. His Word is true vision. The Word of God, fixing our gaze on the Word. And as I've been preaching here now, and this is part four, we need to do it now more than ever. What I've been pointing to us is that at least when you went to school, or you went into a courthouse, you even went to a political thing, left or right, there was some sort of mention of God, at least a little bit of it, right? There was a Bible maybe not too far away. It was at least in the room, left or right. In either of the offices, there's probably a Bible in one of those politicians' you know, shelves. And what's happening now is that that is becoming, we're become, black and white is becoming much clearer. The air, any area of gray is, is going away. And we're really beginning to, the curtain is really being pulled back on the wizard, isn't it? That what has been all along, it's not actually new. 
It's just that we're actually getting to see the real spirit of this world that has been there all along. It's just opposed to God. It's just anything but God. And it's been a slow and actually very patient game. But we must now then look to our word and say, this is what my word says. These are the things that Jesus promised me. This is what it says from Genesis to Revelation. And I can literally read those words, and I can now begin to have vision for, my, for not only my life ahead of me, but the world, what is actually happening within the world, right? Who, as mature believers, we look at things in the news and we go, wow, that's in the word, right? We look at things in science, as I was just saying, and we say, wow, that's in the word. See, the word of God is actually real vision. We don't just focus on an imaginary Christ. We don't just focus on a Christ that I make up, right? People are making up Christ all the time. But I am looking at the Christ of his word, the Christ of the Bible. And as I begin to read, not just about him, but I begin to know him by reading in that word and studying that word and becoming a part of my life, I begin to have a clear vision that, wait a second, that's how we even come to this concept. That's how I even can stand here and preach and say, this isn't real, but that's real. Where did I get that concept from? I got it from his word. You should be running out of this room if I told you I had a dream and it doesn't line up with his word, but who cares because I said it. It's just something I think and something I feel that this place isn't real, but heaven's real. Run out of this room. But I can tell you that from the word, I began to see in his word, this is what his word says, and you guys can all look at his word, and, and I can preach this to you because you know the verses I'm talking about, and you can say, you're right, preacher, that is in his word. And so we begin to have real vision, we begin to have a, a, this understanding, and then we can say, okay, the concepts in this world that say that everything is is about here and my name and my reputation and ultimately so that then I can just I can just settle all the dust settles I've worked hard and I can just retire we can say I can see that all of that is a facade because I can see in the word over and over and over again that the Lord told me not to do that amen anybody getting anything out of this am I saying too much too quick Okay. What is seen is temporary, and what is unseen is eternal. The world can only see the here and now. It doesn't matter if they live till they're 100 years old. One day they're going to see their last breath, all their memories disappear, and with it comes judgment on their lives. We are not of this world. We are those who know our God. We are surrendered to him, and Jesus told us, you must have eyes to see. Jesus told us over and over and over again, right? We can see it even into Revelation, eyes to see. I want us to look from this verse. Let's look over in chapter 5, 1 Corinthians 5, verse 1. 1 Corinthians 5, verse 1 says, We will have a house in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God. Now, I can read a verse like this. I just want to be real clear here now. I'm going to read this verse. We're just going to read it together. Ready? For we know that when this earthly tent, 
we live in is taken down, that is when we die and we leave this earthly body, we will have a house in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God himself and not by human hands. Now, when I read that verse, something begins to happen and I really have some, I really want to get into the depth of this and I'm, I cannot believe I'm running out of time again. But James, we're going to, hopefully I'm going to touch on this within these next minutes, but if not, I'm just going to pull some things again from further my sermon. Talks about two wisdoms, right? Talks about an earthly, a sensual wisdom. A sensual, that means not just sexual, right? Sensual, but senses, the sensual, from what I can sense and feel and observe, right? That's the sensual, right? I can see, taste, touch, right? And I make these perceptions and I make these, uh, these concepts, they enter my brain and then now I have a, an understanding, a wisdom, right? That's come, wisdom is something that I've learned, whether it's good or bad, right? You can have bad wisdom too. But things I've learned, things I've observed, and now I have a concept of reality that is either true or false, and yet it has become my reality. Who understands what I'm saying? And so the Bible says here that I have this temporary body, but that's okay because soon I'm going to leave it and God's going to put me in an eternal body. And so when I read this verse, the same way that I can... I can sense, I can use my senses to observe in the same way I'm going to use my spiritual senses. Come on, let's use our spiritual senses, right? I'm going to use eyes to see and ears to hear, all right? So this is something of the Spirit. It's a mind of Christ. It's something outside of my own. I'm going to see his word, and even though the world says this is garbage, that this is just some archaic old book, it's just something that some Jews said over 2000, you know, why are you, you know, over here in America reading some book from the Middle East 2,000 and 4,000 years ago? But I see this as the word of God, and so what begins to happen with eyes to see and ears to hear, not using my natural senses, I take this verse, and now it changes my thinking, and I'm literally reading it, not just as an understanding mentally, but I'm reading a verse, and it is changing my state of mind. It means that now, when I go out of this room, and I can see all the temporary things of this earth, my mind is on this verse. Now, this is how Christ lived on the earth. He was the Word. His mind, how did he... When Satan came, and this has been a big theme of these sermons, Satan came and tempted him with the world. And he gave him three temptations for worldly, now, sensual answers. The bread, right? Glory, right? And even to see God's angels come down, something to save him here and now, right? And Jesus responded, word, word, word. Why? Because he pulled from, out of his mouth, from a different state of mind. He, his thinking, and this is why we must not be bored by the word of God, we must not be bored by church and bored by being around other believers, and why the enemy is really trying to divide those areas, because in order for you to live in this world in like Christ and as the, the way that he's calling us to, and honestly, the only way that you're going to survive, to be, to be blunt, as this future progresses, because look at what's happening to your brothers and sisters. How many have just lost the faith? How many can you see 
that were once strong believers that are losing their faith. And what is the common denominator? It's very easy. They began to use their senses, right? Let's just go there because this is where the, where the Lord's taking us. James chapter 3, and we're gonna, we'll just have to close within this chunk of Scripture. James 3, verse 13 says, If you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. All right, that sounds like something I have to do, and I'm just going to have to try to like work through this thing, but just wait. Let James expound this for you. It says, verse 14, But if you are bitterly jealous... And if there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying, for jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Everybody say God's wisdom. But such are earthly, some, your translation might say sensual, right? Unspiritual, and then he says it just bluntly here, and demonic, so there's a wisdom that's not of God. There's God's wisdom, then there's wisdom that's not of God. For wherever there's jealousy, selfish, this is selfish ambition, but let's just call this self. Everybody say self, because that's really what that is. Selfish ambition is just thinking of self more than others, thinking of self as greatest of all. Where there's self, 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 there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. Isn't the word so clear? Hasn't the word told us all along, when you find when it's self, 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 you're going to find what? Disorder, evil of every kind. When self becomes the focus, selfish ambition, whether that's selfish ambition in traffic, right? That it's me. I matter more than you. I don't care that your light is green. My light is clearly red. I matter more than you. Selfish ambition. What are you going to get? You're going to get disorder. You're going to get chaos, and that's what it is in that intersection at that moment, right? That's a good picture of what happens. And it says it's this is an earthly, it's an unspiritual, and it's a demonic way of thinking and living. And it says, but, verse 17, the wisdom from above, back to verse 13, this wisdom that you get, it's first of all pure, it's also peace-loving, gentle at all times, willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy. It's the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. And we don't have time to really break this down for the next 20 minutes that it should take. But let me say this. The book of James here, and just like we read here in Corinthians about a different way of seeing, that there is a, there is a, there is a seen and there is an unseen. In the same way, there is a wisdom. What is wisdom? Let's just very quickly understand this. Wisdom is what? Wisdom is something that you have gained, that you've learned, right? It can be good and it can be bad. You can get bad wisdom, right? It can be earthly wisdom and be like God's wisdom because, because uh, you know, sometimes we can stumble upon things by accident that are good. For instance, though, you know, just like gravity with or without God is gravity, Okay. So you could stumble into some good wisdoms. You know, Bill Gates uh, denies God. He's an atheist, um, but he can never give enough. No matter how much he gives away, he just gets richer. And because he's, he's operating in a concept of giving, that works. And that's with or without God. The concepts, these rules kind of in the universe that God has established. I'm talking about universe rules. Oh, that sounds new agey. But things that God has established, they work, Right? And so in the same way, you could have some wisdom-ish things that are godly but not God. 
And the point is that there is, there is an earthly wisdom. There is, what is wisdom? It's something that you have gained. It's something I have learned. It's something that has been given to me. And what God is saying here in the book of James is it says that you need God's wisdom. Why do we need God's wisdom? So that we will do what God has asked us to do. We will live, now back to 13, living a life that's honorable, that's filled with good works, filled with humility. All right, but how did I do that? I didn't just try. It's very clear when we look at the whole context of his word, like David, that I have spent time with God. All the greats of your word, you can follow right from the beginning, right from Genesis all the way into Revelation to John. You can see that each and every one of them, nobody just stumbled into righteousness. Yes, no one was actually good, but you can see each and every one of them was given a choice. What do you want? What do you want to pursue? What do you want your heart to be focused on? And you can see that some of them made really, really bad and wrong decisions, and some of them turned back. Some of them made better decisions for longer periods of time, but the common denominator is that they said, it's your word, God. They came back to his law, came back to God's word, and they said, society wants me to do this. Uh, everything around me, everybody around me. Remember, Jesus said they killed all the prophets. Don't be surprised that they hate you. Don't be surprised that they hate me. They killed all the prophets. Don't be surprised that you are one person and you're thinking, I must be wrong because everybody around me, all of society, the entire History Channel, you know, uh, AE, I don't know if that channel exists, right? Another history-like channel that says that this is how it happened. 4.8, 5.2 billion years ago, right? Just keeps getting more. When you, when you guys were kids, some of the older ones here, right? The generation right before me, right? It was, I think it was like 3.2 billion, whatever. Who cares? It doesn't make a difference, right? 3.2, 5.6, whatever. They just keep changing it, keep adding more and more years so it becomes more logical. And the point is that you cannot try to make sense of the fake, false, logic of this earth. Do not try to mix them together. Now, that's an extreme. I'm talking mixing evolution in with creation. But it's the same concept for everything else in the kingdom of God. You cannot bring concepts of love, of family, of identity, of, of, our, of, of our position on this earth, of our purpose, even me being in my body, Right? I cannot mix together the, the concepts and the realities and ideas of this earth together with God's concepts. They do not work. The Bible says that they are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. You need to call it for what it is. These ideas that are floating in the earth right now, it is not a new thing. It's just on another level. And I, hopefully this made some sense to you. Man, got preaching here a little bit, and I'm, I'm excited for what the Lord's saying. But we need to let the Holy Spirit interject his thoughts. We need to let the Word control our thoughts. If our meditations all day uh, are kingdom-minded, then that's what your focus is going to be. It really comes down to what is the meditation of your heart, like David said. And if you're if you are, if all day you're debating with God, now listen, I'm just going to be really clear now. If all day you're debating with him and debating with his word, then what do you think your actions are going to be? A debate. 
But if you are taking his word and you're saying, you know, my body, it's frail and it's falling apart. The older I get, the more I become aware of that. But if I look at this verse, then you know what? My mind now doesn't think like the rest of the world. They just think, what can I do and how can I preserve it for as long as I can because this is all that there is. And I'm saying I'm going to do everything I can to be healthy and preserve it as well. But I thank God that, that when this thing goes into the ground, that that's not really me. And so I'm living, we are, I'm literally walking around the earth right next to people on my left and right with a different state of mind. That they're like, how am I going to make it? Oh my gosh, look what's happening in the world. Look what's happening in the economy. Look what's happening with politicians here and this one here. And I'm thinking, wow, all those things are exciting. I'm not always excited at the actual outcomes themselves, but they're all exciting because they're all pointing to God. They all point to his kingdom, and they're all pointing to revelation unfolding. Amen. Amen. Praise God. I just want to say this one thing because I think it'll bring it together. I was, I was just thinking how, have you ever had a conversation with somebody? They don't know what side you're on. Now, I deal with a lot of people because I deal with customers all day, every day. So I'm always dealing with these different people. And, uh, you know, sometimes two or three, five customers, you know, quick stops in a day. And it's amazing how when people start talking, and even politically, but I don't say what side I'm on. You ever just listen to somebody's conversation? Now they think they are literally shocked and they just cannot imagine how anybody could think differently than they think. Have you ever experienced this? Meanwhile, it's so polar opposite from everything I think and believe. But they are just like, how could anybody vote for this person? How could anybody think like this? And so on. And I was just... And I was just reminded, because I've, I've had, we, you know, sometimes we're at customers' houses and it's like just, you know, today's not the day, like, we're not going to get into this here. Just don't say anything. Just be quiet. <laughs> just be quiet. It's not today. To, pick your battles. Don't, don't cast your pearls before a swine. It's like, today, you're just going to, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. And that's how that, that conversation is going to go. But I was thinking how, you know, that's just like what Jesus dealt with. In the Bible, it was the blind leading the blind. They were so convinced that they had it figured out that they were right and all these things. And here's Jesus, the Son of God, the Word manifest, telling them the truth. And he literally tells them multiple times, but in John in chapter 8 and into 9, we've got these, this crazy encounter. And ultimately, he just comes out and says, you are the sons of the devil, right? That's, but, you know, that's what... That's what it says here in James as well. We cannot shy from it. Don't be afraid. I'm not telling you to walk around and tell people you're sons of the devil. But you need to be aware that these other concepts, these other ideas, all of these other false realities that are floating around, you need to call it for what it is internally. Let me say that again. Internally, not with a billboard on the corner. Internally, call them what they are, that those are earthly those are demonic ideas, and I am not going to mix them, and I'm not going to be ashamed that I, that I know what I know. Maybe I'm going to be quiet right now. I'm not ashamed of it. not going to get into it. Amen. Praise the Lord. We just thank you for your word. I thank you, Jesus, that you have given us truth. I thank you, Lord. It is Your word says of itself, it is the truth that sets us free.
I thank you, Lord, that we are free because at the meditations of our heart, Lord, our mind, Lord, in the same way that we bowed before you, we repented and gave our lives to you and said, Lord, come into my life. I thank you, Lord, that that was a commitment to let you keep working in us and bringing the revelation of your word, Lord, to become who we are, not just words on a page, but, Lord, the words that are written on our heart. And I thank you, Lord. I pray today that we would learn to live this opposite life. We would not be ashamed to be opposite, but we would understand it has to be. It is the only way. We do not need to blend in. We do not need to be like this world. We will always be different. We will always be opposite. It is who you are. It is who we are. And we just thank you for encouraging us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord.